0: Good morning my sisters. I know that we are all being quarantined and we're trying we're trying not to go crazy right now. Trying to find things to occupy our time. Hopefully you are spending some much needed time in rest and reading, exercising, uh, meditating, praying, doing all those things that we always say that we don't have time to do. Well, you have time now. So no excuses. I have uh, a wonderful conversation that we're going to start with a wonderful person that I I um, was able to run across some information about her and we chatted a little bit and then we were able to get her on the show so I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Make sure you go to the blog. There is some information on there, um, and I'm going to continuously put some updated information about what we're going through, but also. Last week I posted um, a show um, about the coronavirus just so that we can make sure that we're filtering through all of this other stuff and that we're keeping all of the information that we are eating, making sure that we're keeping it factual and not fictional. I have seen so many different things on Facebook and Instagram and people all this hyperbole of where people are thinking that this group can't get it, this group started it. It doesn't matter, so make sure that you're getting the correct information. I also want to uh, encourage you to check out the uh, cdc.gov website. They have some good information on there, some alternative things that you can do if you have experience, like I have experience, going to the grocery store and the things that you want are not there. Um, I know that there's been a shortage on bread and and, uh, hand sanitizer and soap and but, you know, as far as the bread thing, the old school people, you know, they got flour and all that kind of stuff. You can make your loaf of bread if you need it. Um, but, you know, let's just sit in and ride this way so that we can help this filter through our society and our world so that not only can we heal our bodies, but we can heal our land. Um, we have, again, we have a great show coming up with uh, Aisha Marie. Aisha Marie, and um, I'm going to talk with her in just a moment, but we're going to take a break. And uh, pay the bill. We'll be back in just a minute. Bye. All right, my loves, we are back. I want to introduce to some of you guys, and I know it's not an introduction to everybody, but I want to introduce you to this wonderful young lady. Her name is Asha Marie, she's a rapper, a speaker, songwriter, and a producer. She wants to be a spirit, uh, she desires to be a spiritual leader in her music, especially since her message is so unique, having that Christian gospel focus, which is very rare in the hip-hop industry. We know that sometimes people will do those um, one song or a song that is dedicated to their faith, but having a faith-focused uh ministry, it is rare, and especially for a female. Um, it has been said that a majority of the hip-hop doesn't have a balance. Uh, and that often negative stereotypes and positive imagery that most people want to see in rap music. So, you know, you have and you've heard this even from some of your secular artists. Uh I was listening to um something from Snoop Dogg earlier this morning and he was saying that, you know, when he said what he said about Gale, it blew up and and everybody was saying, "Oh, you're this and the other. Why do you always say this?" He said, "But a couple of years ago, he had put out an album a gospel album, nobody wants to talk about it. So we don't know where that non-balance is coming in. But it's not about Snoop, but that just made me think about that. And so she is hoping to put that balance out there. Her music is very restorative, dimensional, presenting a clear, concise alternative to the messaging that we receive in hip-hop culture, but also to show that other aspiring Christian artists that they have a voice, too. And they can uniquely present their music to the world and be unashamed to do so. There's nothing wrong with faith, faith is in. And she helps her audience um hear her music and really hear the value in what she raps about. But also there's nothing wrong with having a little groove with it. So my friends, I want to introduce to you <laughs> Miss Aisha Marie. That's me. Please forgive me. Hi. Thank name. you
1: so <laughs> much for having me, Felicia. This is a an amazing opportunity. I come from a a journalism background so I'm so used to interviewing people and it's very rare that I get the chance to uh you know be on
0: the opposite side while I'm being interviewed so it's a pleasure thank you for having me on your show Well no problem and so you can give me some pointers and tell me uh you did that horrible nose plan. I um I like to interview <laughs> people if I was on the other side of the phone I would probably melt <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, mo- if you go into most uh, performers, I was telling a friend of mine because that nobody believes I'm shy, super shy, like crazy shy. People mm-hmm. tend to think it's a suck up kind of thing, but it's just like, well, she didn't talk when she's because she's shy. But so a lot of people don't understand that they're that just because who you are when you're working in your gift may not necessarily be who you are when you come out of that anointing. And so, you know, um they they begin to judge you, you know, oh well she doesn't talk. Well that's all she does, you know, she gets paid to talk. She don't wanna talk no more. She hiding, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So I definitely understand that. Well let's hear a little bit about you. How did you get started doing what you do?
1: So basically my my introduction to music was in my household and okay. uh I I grew up in church like most musicians and artists. And my father was a pastor. and He was a singer. My dad mm. loved singing. Uh He sang in church and outside of church, just at home and around the house. And then my mom sang, too. She had a beautiful soprano singing voice. She was a choir director at our church. And I always say, like, the first woman I really wanted to be like was my mom because she was uh just musically and artistically focused and gifted, and church was really the only outlet we had at the time to really express those gifts or use those gifts. And I remember my mom, she had started learning, like, piano and, you know, other instruments. And I just felt like, wow, if this is somebody I want to be like, like my mom, because was really into music and super talented. And so um, that was my introduction to music. And then um I remember listening to classical music on the radio and jazz and just other forms of music I got got introduced to in school and just, you know, being around cousins and stuff like that. Rap music, that really came through uh, high school friends, like giving me mixtapes and CDs and stuff. And of course, you see music videos on TV, so you're kind of immersed in just this culture of music or pop culture, so to speak. But my first introduction to music came from my household. You know, my grandmother sang in quartet, so Just having that, you know, around me, I was bound to pick up something from it, some of it. So I grew up singing in church choirs, and then my dad uh, put me and my siblings in piano lessons. And when I was 13, I became the church musician. So I was playing the organ for the church and directed the choir, and that's where everything started pretty much in in my house and in the church.
0: Wow. You know, I have found – and maybe it's not true for everyone, but it seems like when it comes to artistic, um, artistic people, it's a one-two hit you punch. It's like they don't have one trick. If they can do this, they do that. They do this, or they find a way to do it. And it sounds like that is also true for you. So, rap, rapper, female rap, lady rapper. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I know. emphasis <laughs> because you know, when I was a kid, of course, um, many, many, many moons ago, you know, we I did this, you know, I rapped and everything, and it was just so, you know, we had the Roxanne Shantae's and we had Queen Latifah, and we had, you know, Yo Yo without it. all come on, paper thin. And so, you yeah. know, we had MC Light, but. And then when I got to college there was a young lady, her name was Boss. I don't know if you know about Boss. I but Boss was, was rough. Her. Yeah, she was rough, you know. And because I was I loved poetry, I loved rap. You know, I didn't see it in the same light as everyone else because I loved words. And I saw these women and it just seemed like it was so hard to be respected in that right. arena, you know, much like it is for female ministers. You know, um, it's it's one of those things where if you did not present yourself manly, then you got, you know, you didn't get to, um, to get the same kind of respect. And so now you fast forward, and one of the people that I just adore, her spirit is just so funny to me, Cardi B, and she has said multiple times, you know, it's not so much that she likes to talk about the things that she talks about, but that's the only thing that you all want to buy. Uh, when I say you all, you know the audience, you know they'll they'll yep. complain about it, but then that's what that's the only thing that sells, and so you've got them in that catch twenty two. So how do you find your space, your area, your lane, fighting all of these different things, you know, where they want? Yes, we want you to be a woman, but we want to see a little skin. Yes, we want want you to be a woman, but we want we want you to come in hard. You gotta. How do you find that happy medium? If I'm honest, like I'm,
1: <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out that balance between all those different things. And, um, I have, so I'm in a community. I'm in a, a group chat on Telegram. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the app. Um, mm-hmm. with, uh, several other, uh, female rappers who are within the, the Christian genre. And we talk about this all the time, all the time. Like it's always, it always finds its way into the conversation because I think, um, going back to what you said, it is true. Like some, I've heard some men say, "Oh, I can't listen to female rappers because it's too like too much of an authoritative voice, and I don't want to hear a woman like barking at me or basically, you know, doing that." Or your, or or they'll complain about our voices. Oh, it's too feminine, or so I like. I've heard both sides of the spectrum, and I'll never forget. I I was the only female on a show. Um, so I live in Chicago and we had a show that was like downstate in another, uh, city. And I was the only female and there were like all men. And one of the guys like wouldn't look at me. He wouldn't acknowledge me. I would try to like converse with him and just, I was just disregarded. And, um, and I, I think it was because I was female and I think sometimes you have that, that tension and hip hop has always been a sort of competitive, type of music like if you look at the nature of it like battling like I'm trying to destroy this other MC or what I'm saying or directing at him like hip hop has always been sort of like competitive and I think females just bring another competitive side to it to to hip hop and that plays a part in it too but I think for me one of the best pieces of advice when I first started this uh, journey one of my friends told me he said you know what Asia he said create your own lane Just create your own lane. Don't worry about male, female, who says this, who says that, who, you know, opposes you. He's like, just make your own lane. And so that's what I've just been focused on doing. And I think one of the things I wanted to bring out, too, coming from a a church background, when I started playing Oregon, I didn't know a lot of female organists. Like I knew about them, like online, like especially once like YouTube started getting popular in social media. But I was always surrounded by a bunch of guys, like, just in music, period, especially as a musician. But I always had a lot of uh support, too. Like, I always had a lot of people pushing me. And I will say now as a rapper, it's easier because I've made it a point to be more intentional about connecting with other female rappers who can share those experiences. But I try to focus on, like, gifting necessarily doesn't have a, a certain uh, gender, like, attached to it. A gift is a gift that God gives, and my duty and what I try to stay focused on is to just use it faithfully um, to the best of my ability. <clears throat> so there are things that do affect me, Um, especially being in, in the studio, like when I'm very vocal about, like, I know what I want. I know how I want to sound. I know how I want my music to come across. And I want to communicate that in a respectful way. And at the same time, I feel like sometimes men, some men feel women are, Uh, like we don't know what we're talking about, you know, we're not as knowledgeable or, you know, we don't know it all when it comes to certain things in in the music industry and stuff. But I think it's just important for me not to let anyone kind of stifle me because I'm a woman, Um, but kind of like demanding that respect and conducting myself in such a way where people honor that and they respond to it. So I've just been trying to stay focused on the craft and doing it in an excellent way. And not so much on the gender aspect because I've I've never been held back like I've been like that story I told you about the guy who I, I was on a show with I've I've only had like maybe a few instances of that and I know it happens again because of the competitive nature of hip hop that's going to be there but I think overall like I've I've tried to just cling to the support that I do have and created my my own lane so that's where I'm at with the whole gender war. Of <laughs> female rappers being in this male-dominated industry because entertainment is male-dominated when you think about it. And so for women, it's just like carve our own lanes and, and find support where you can and really cling into
0: that support. But, you know, okay. as you were talking, um I began to just listen, and, and I try to think of things historically. And I think about specifically with hip-hop and with rap, when you think about... About the time that it began to become dominant, I think that the reason why there's so much ownership is because uh, African American males were so historically disenfranchised that there was no place where they got glory. You know, um, they were being pulled out of the homes. they were you know unfairly being imprisoned at higher rates. You know that there were women, especially black women, that would be offered jobs over. African American men, and I think that some of that, whether they believe it or they understand it or not, I think it's that historical pushback, like where is my place? Where do I find my place that's mine, where I can tell my story and um and I think i when I say that, I go back to this episode of Good Times, I think of stuff through t v and music, but it was a point where. James, the father, was trying to apply for a job, and his wife needed a job. And he's like, oh, honey, you know, I'm getting ready to get this job. The woman loves me. Come on down. We're going to try to find you a place too. Well, before it was all said and done, they offered his wife the job and not him. And it broke something in him. And I think for African-American males, because that seemed to be their breakaway entertainment, it was like, wow, this is a place for us to get, uh, get some attention, get some glory to be accepted as who we are. Not just with that. I mean, if you notice, there's a lot of people who don't, that don't like female sports. They don't support female comedians. Okay. And, um uh, I, I, by no means am I saying that some of that's just because they don't support women. But I think a lot of that is like men. Especially minority, the thing, I'm trying to find my place. Where do I fit? But I love what you intimated. You said that you had found your group. You found a group of females. And so now we're no longer competitive. We are trying to be supportive. And I love okay. that if we can begin to infiltrate and say, hey, I'm not against you. Hey, I'm not trying to take your piece of the pie. There is no end okay. of the pie. Your slice yeah. has nothing to do with my slice, and I think that these doors are being opened. But I think in the beginning, that's where it was. It was like, hey, where do I? When it? When do I get my spot? You get to raise the kids. You're now getting all the jobs. You get all – you know what they say? African American women are the most educated uh, mm-hmm. demographic in the world right now. Yeah. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. you get all of that. Where do I? Where do I get my spot? Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. so. Looking at it from that perspective, it's easier to say, "I get it," but look, but I'm not trying to come for yours. So I'm just trying to make my own. Yeah. So, do you think yeah. that's a fear? Maybe. Is that based in fear?
1: I think it's a fear that exists too in in male dominated space, of hip hop, but also in the in the female space too. Because mm-hmm. if you look like historically, when there is a female rapper in a crew of rappers, it's usually only one. Mm-hmm. And then if another female rapper comes out, they try to pit him and get, like, Cardi and yeah. and other rappers. Yeah. Uh I don't know who Eve was pitted against at the time. We had a little Kim and Foxy Brown. So you always have those kind of rivalries happening. And I think it just exists in a space where you're the minority of, of anything, you know, in any given industry or art discipline. And it's like people are, like, fighting for – Uh, dominance or or prominence in in whatever area and Mm -hmm. it seems like it's like it's almost as if people view it from the perspective of oh there's only space for for one Mm
2: -hmm. or maybe
1: like a couple of us when that isn't true when you look at the mainstream of music you have uh, different pockets of artists you have indie artists and there's room enough for all of us because people have different tastes and different um, you may have a different musical ability a way of communicating or expressing your music or your artistry that really uh, resonates with a particular group of people and the music industry is so vast and so wide like there's just room for all of us and I don't think we don't think about it enough in, in that way and I think again with women being a minority in this no dominated space it can be a very lonely place at times
2: mm-hmm, um mm-hmm.
1: Where you only have shared common experiences that only we as women know because we've lived right. it and we're still living through it. And I mm. feel very like for, for the men again, you know, it's a, it's, it's almost like a male sport, like hip hop. But I think, I think now it's opening up a lot as far as support for female rappers in particular. Like you've seen it a lot in the mainstream with Cardi and a lot of men pushing her, praising her for her, her efforts and her success. So you you do see a lot of support more now than we yes. ever did, um, just because women <laughs> in our culture they just aren't having it like they're speaking up, but they're speaking out and say, hey, if you won't let me in, I'm gonna force my way in. Like I'm gonna be so loud and so consistent that you won't be able to just shut me down or say no to me. And I think it's a way for us to coexist in this space and and be respectful of each other and both be excellent at our craft. I think. And sometimes I think it's hard for people to see it as like we just have to learn to share the this, this space. And um I don't know, I think just the simple human nature, like being territorial and possessive, like we want what we want but we don't want anybody else to have it. And I think it's just a matter of heart check. Like a lot of times we have to check our hearts to say, hey, I'm great over here. This person is great over there. And in any way, like any time that I feel like my livelihood or whatever is threatened or my audience is threatened because this person is over here. I need to check my heart because it's like, man, why can't we both exist and be great in this space and not have jealousy or, or envy or rivalry? Why can't we lift each other up? I think we have to practice that. And I think, too, with people being oppressed and then, just the landscape of hip-hop and how it started with, like, black and brown people, oppressed people, mm-hmm. it came out, it was birthed out of that. It was birthed out of oppression. It was a form of resistance in a form of, like, uh, messaging, like, this is what's happening in our neighborhoods, You know, this is where we are. This is how we see it. I think, like, just the importance of voices and as many different voices <clears throat> as we can have, you know, in rap and in music is, is helpful. So I think it's just a matter of just man doing a heart check and I think when the more time we spend forming and forging bonds with other people, like in my uh particular situation with female rappers, I think we can kind of see like, man, this is so healthy for me to to hear their stories and be able to relate to them. And it's and it could sharpen you as an artist too. Having other great artists and people around you. So I just take it as an experience to like, man, we share this common interest we both have each talents. i I mean I rap I sing and I play, and I know multiple females who do the same all in different creative ways, and mm-hmm. i'm I'm always trying to get like inspired by it um but I think men are a lot more open and a lot more receptive um to female rappers um 'cause there'd be a lot more support especially in, in the Christian genre, it's a whole other because it's like a right. sub genre within the genre it's this. It's like we're even more of a minority in a Christian state because we're just not right. popular. We won't ever be popular in that way. So I feel like we have a completely different struggle, but we are trying to form, you know, groups to support each other and encourage each other to further that, you know, alone.
0: So, You know, I think it's a reflection, too, of how far we've gotten away from uh, our communities being rooted in faith-based organizations. Because you know what, one of the things that has always been driven to me is that your your gift will make room for you. Mm-hmm. But w- when you step away from that, is I have to do it. I have to do it. I have to do it. And then you have an audience that feels like it's a betrayal to like both people. I can't, I can't like Cardi and Nicki Minaj. That's I can't do that. Um, and. There's so many misplaced, and we could philosophize on all of that for forever to try to figure out where that mentality came from. But you also mentioned how that subgenre of being even a Christian or a faith-based artist even pulls you into a smaller place where now you have to fight all of those voices that say I. I know what I'm doing and I'm doing for a purpose because I'm trying to fulfill my purpose, but at the same time, I want to eat. I know my, you know, and so it's like, so you have to utilize the things and, and and I'm just going to use this as a comparison. I've got to be raised up in Pharaoh's house, learn the things that they do in Egypt, but then I got to bring it back and begin to use those same tactics because the reality of it is, it doesn't matter what your genre is, certain things just work. And yeah. so it's like finding that happy medium of how do I, how do I stay faithful to who I am, what I mm-hmm. am, what I'm trying to do, but yet send it to the masses because I'm not really doing this for the church. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the, that's the struggle for me. Even, you know, doing the things that I do, it's like, you know, I shy away so many times from different topics because I'm like, oh, I'm not trying to do that. But at the same time, you, you, you're, you're in this juxtaposition of saying, but I gotta do that. I gotta talk about that. I gotta rap about that. I gotta do this. I gotta say this. I gotta, because you're still trying to break into that, that, uh, that arena. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it is not about the people who are already in. We're trying to get people in the boat. So we're trying, you know, so it's like how do I, like, possibly become all things to all people Yeah. Mm-hmm. so that I can meet them uh-huh. where they are, mm-hmm. you know, and be able to sit down, you know, because your music, uh, and if you guys, if you get a chance, please go to YouTube, look at it. uh, I have a couple of favorites, but I don't want to, to prejudice you. all. just go and, and look her up. But I need, you know, You need to be able to go into any place that they call you. If they tell you to come perform at a club, I think at this day and time, especially where we are spiritually, we got to be able to say, I'm cool with that, Mm -hmm. and not be worried about the people who say, well, you can only do it here. Well, when I was a kid, many moons ago, I keep saying that, but people, pimps and 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 players, hustlers, the and hoes—they used to come to church every Sunday. They ain't doing that no more. You know, you have you you see it on the television shows and movies where, uh, uh, you know, be the worst gangsters, and then they they're they're you know Sunday they at church, you know, uh, like in one of my favorite movies Colombiana, where you know they didn't kill up half the half the cast got killed, but they was in church on Sunday, you know, and so. We don't have that anymore. We have more people who are fighting against faith-based and traditional services. And so there's no there's no more waiting for them to come to us. The gospel was always about taking it to the world. Mm-hmm. But now our fight is when I take it, how do I get their attention? Yeah. So how do you infuse that into your marketing plan? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, um, so I always write from a place, especially when I – so I didn't, I didn't start doing Christian rap. When I started rapping, I was just a regular mainstream rap. Um, I wasn't saved. I didn't know the Lord at the time, and I was a teenager, so I was rapping about what everybody else was rapping about, you know, conforming to, to the world. But then when I got saved, um, after being in church my whole life, like I truly gave my life to Christ. Hmm. I got saved in my room at 24 years old. I was in my room. And, uh, mm-hmm. I had heard the gospel clearly presented for the first time in my life from a, a, a guy in college who was just faithfully like sharing with me every time he would see me, anytime he would call me, anytime he would message me on Facebook. And it was just constant. And I would just get annoyed, like irritated.
0: <laughs> um,
1: but, uh, God used that to really break my heart at that time of just idolatry and just so many things, sexual sin. I was wrapped up in so much. And, uh, ended up getting saved. So I, now, when it comes to my music, it's like, Lord, how can I not? Like, you brought me out of so much. How can I not sing about you or write about you? Like, I just can't. Like, I would, it would be like going against my conscience because I have this conviction now. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. I'm in this world. I can enjoy things to the glory of God, but I don't subscribe to all of their principles. I don't subscribe to all of their remedies. I'm not enjoying and drinking down the sin with them like I did before. It's it's mm-hmm. a difference now. So now I have to walk in who I am because I'm changed. I'm I'm called to that. And I think um now so that that's like the first thing, like being in the world but not of it. So writing and living from a place from that. And I think also, um, I agree with you that the the church uh is not the building, it is the people. Um And wherever the saints gathered, like, there's a global church all over the world. There are believers in New Zealand I've probably never met. There are people in remote tribes across the world who who love Jesus that I've never, ever met in my life, and they're still a part of the global church. So even if they destroyed all the churches in America or all over the world, the church still exists because the people should still be Spreading that aroma and that fragrance of Christ and sharing with people and telling their testimonies and pointing people to Jesus and to the Bible, like that's still going to happen. So for me, I've been performing uh, for a while now. And so I don't say yes to everything. And I'll get to that in a second. But I have performed a multitude of places in bars, in clubs, in lounges, in uh, at birthday parties, wedding anniversaries, weddings, funerals, several different places. Um, and I always felt my decisions in prayer because I mean, I know there are some things like, man, if, if I'm using, you know, discernment and filtering things through the Spirit, it's like, I know I can't say yes to everything. Um, and some things I, I learned to say say no to. And I don't know if I feel comfortable with, you know, you know, what's on the agenda or whatever. And I think all of us have to make those decisions about where do I draw the line? Where do I draw boundaries when it, when it, uh, Contradicts what maybe what I believe or what I feel, and you know that God has called me to, and that's going to look different from from you know for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I've I've performed in spaces where I was the only Christian artist, and I literally would get up thinking like, man, this crowd hates me, <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. sometimes when you're a Christian artist, it's like ah, she's gonna break up my fun and blah blah blah. But then you know when you hear when they hear the music people start opening up, you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? And they, as soon as I open my mouth, they might be vibing to the music and enjoying that and say, man, she got a really good sound. But as soon as I open my mouth, people know what I'm about. Mm -hmm. And it's always, like, shocking and surprising because I don't think people expect that because as soon as a female gets up to the mic, automatically they think, oh, she's going to sing or they'll classify you as a poet, like, when Mm you're a rapper. Like, no, I'm a rapper. Like, I'm not Mm – I do poetry. I am a poet, but I'm a rapper. And so I think people are always shocked and surprised when I open my mouth. But also at those shows where I've done, where I felt like I wouldn't be received because my message is so different, Um, what what drives that message in me from uh, keeps me continuously uh, keeping that message in my music, it's it's so much a part of who I am and the core of my being. Like, I just can't deny it. And I will Mm -hmm. feel such conviction if I did it. And I don't know if you felt that conviction, like, it, it hits you like a ton of bricks. Like when you mm-hmm. don't do what you know you should be doing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's what kills me. And and the older I get, I am now in my 30s. And when I don't do the things that I know like God wants me to do, it kills me. And it's like there is no amount of comfort that can quell that still, quiet voice of the spirit. Like when everything else is lying to me in the world, nothing can quiet or quell that still small voice, like they say, inside of me that's like, Aisha, you know better. You know you should have said this. You know you should have done it. Mm-hmm. And I can't fight against that no matter what I do because when I stand before God, I won't be able to say, well, Felicia said that, you know, they they were going to shun me. Like, they weren't going to talk to me. They weren't going to blah, 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 blah. No, God is going to deal with me. Mm-hmm. How did you live with the gospel you were given? Like, were you faithful did, against all odds, going against the grain? And I think artistry is that, like, hip-hop is that type of rebellion, but I think for a Christian, it's a rebellion in a different way. And for me, as a Christian artist, what keeps me going and keeps that message alive in me is, like, growing up like you, I was very shy. And um, very shy. I, I rarely ever stood up for myself. And I was I was dealing with depression for a long mm-hmm. time, which I didn't know growing up. I didn't know that, but I was dealing with that. But I didn't have anyone around me that helped me like get counseling or anything. I didn't know. And I remember mm-hmm. my aunt grabbed me. I was probably like 19. She she grabbed me, my aunt, and she's like Asia. She's like you cannot be a doormat. She was like, you got to stand up for yourself and speak out. When you walk into these rooms, you need to make your presence felt and heard. And she was like, you can't do this any longer. And I don't know what made her say that or see that. It, it, seemed, it seemed like a random moment. But I know it was God kind of intervening in my life. And, like, ever since then, like, I that I shaped up. Like, I held those words with me. Because my aunt, she's one of those people, like, she's a force to be reckoned with when She walks into mm-hmm. a room. You gonna know she's there. She will not be ignored or disregarded. That's just how she is. She's such a presence, and that helped me so much. And I think for me, I do music. I am a part of the church, the global church. Like all of us who are uh, called to Christ, I'm a part of that church. So I do write music from the church, but I write, I'm writing it to the world because, like you said, those are the people we're calling to Christ, like, right? man, be reconciled mm-hmm. to God. But music is such a, a creative avenue to do that. And so mm-hmm. for me, it's, it's for me to say as a Christian woman, as an artist, you know what? No, everybody's not doing that. I put it in my whole life. Everybody's doing it. You should do it too. But everybody is not. And I don't have to. And the freedom I feel when I do my music is unlike anywhere else in my life. Like, I feel like I don't need anybody's permission to do this in this way and to do it for God in this way. I don't mm-hmm. have to ask anybody's permission. I'm just going to do it. This is what I love. This is my passion. And this is my message. So if I deal with it, I have to sit and listen to music. And even sometimes when I don't want to, if I go to a barbershop or a hair salon and they're calling us bees and hoes and detailing all these sexual exploits, I don't want to hear that. But it's there. We're inundated mm-hmm. with the day in and day out. And so for me, it's like I, I
0: can't do it any other way, basically. Right. I, I can't do it any other way. And it is about staying fresh, you know. Um, I'm hit a couple of points, but I want to definitely finish that one out. Um, being a writer, which is my first love, and I'm an artist as well, both musically and, and with my little fingers. Um, we are more acceptance. Uh, we are more. Uh, we accept more artists who may love people like uh, Van Gogh or something like that. And, because we don't think about what their spiritual life was. We just accept their gift. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm an artist and I'm painting, and I'm looking at painters, nobody questions that. But I'm also, I'm a writer. So I watch a little bit of everything. I'm a singer. So I listen to everything, not because I'm getting joy out of it, but it's the craft. You know, it's, it's, it's the, mm-hmm. when you're in school, you are exposed to people who don't believe like you do. And you're not learning, you know, it was, it's kind of like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Anita Phillips, but she said what well, she went in to um, become a therapist. She said she didn't allow them to take her faith from her. So when I'm listening, I don't allow it to take my faith from, but I am, I am listening for the relevancy of where the genre is moving to. Right. You know, because if you're out here trying to sell a movie and they're not buying cartoons right now. You need to know that. You know what I'm saying? And so as artists, we find ourselves in these funky positions sometimes because it's like, you know, people will say, well, why are you doing this? I'm, like, I'm studying. Just like if you were a, a bricklayer, nobody is going to go ask the person that's teaching you, well, what do you believe? Oh, I can't learn to lay bricks like you, from you because you don't believe in G. Nobody's going to say that. But they say that to us all the time. <laughs> You know like as right. artists, well, you can't listen to that, you can't see that you can't do that and no, I can't let it change my belief system, but I have to learn from the, from all I have to be able to learn from all of those areas, and that's I think that's the fine that fine print that people like us we struggle with because it's like i wanna I wanna make sure I'm staying relevant I wanna make sure that my gifts are staying um fresh. But at the same time, I have to make sure that what I'm putting on the inside stays on the inside, so that when i'm you say i I find out what this new beat is or what this new sound is, I can put my lyrics to it, I can put my words to it, but what's coming out of me is faith, mhm, you know, even if it is um attracting people to the beat, I want faith to come out, and you know then I thought about what you said too here where coming up you you battle depression. You read my blog. That was something I dealt with quite frequently, and depression and loneliness. And I think that artists typically, not to say other people don't, but I think that it's so uh, germane to what we do because depression comes because I think the enemy is trying to stop us because we're supposed to bring joy. So he hits us with the opposite. And then, like, the loneliness. You know, when you are an artist, we work so much in our heads. There's times I'm having a whole conversation. Nobody knows. I, I've written a book in my head. I'm not paying attention to you. Like this uh quarantine has been the best thing. I'm an introvert. I love this. I could stay at my house forever. This is not a problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> I've done more paintings. I have written more songs. I, I'm like, I don't never have to come out of here. This is fine. You know, because we get in our own headspace. But we still get, I find myself, if I'm not working in my gift, that's when loneliness tries to attack me, even if I'm surrounded by people and I think the that's because we are telling people through whatever we're doing about the the ever present God, and so the enemy tries to hit us with the opposite, and so I find so many of our friends who are in artistic uh, genres battling depression, battling loneliness uh trying to commit suicide. Um, not having healthy relationships. How do you navigate and balance through those low times? Because we all have them. We all have them. But how mm-hmm. do you balance them? Because they, they're heavy. They are so heavy. Yeah. You know, um, how do you balance when those times and those voices come? Because they always come. I mean, we, we, we know that we, we have, we serve a God that we can battle them, but they always come. How do you balance that?
1: Yeah, for me, um, I, I didn't get help, like, professionals, like a counselor, until um, I started dating my husband. And he started noticing just some things in my life, like me being negative, Nancy, Debbie Downer, just the things I would say about myself and my outlook on the world just was not healthy. And he was really pushing for me to get help and get counseling. Um, so I, I did. I resisted it for a long time because of pride and because of that's just not, like, culturally, the background mm-hmm. I come from, you just soldier on. You know what I mean? Like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the worst pain is, like, the deep, hidden type pain that you just live with, You like, you learn and live with it. And I was doing that for a long time. And it stemmed from... Uh, you know, growing up as a child, be very fearful. Like, my shyness, I think, just came from fear because, um, and I, I don't even know where where that began. I think maybe I care too much about what people thought. And, and when you are in an environment where you can't be super honest about feelings, or if you're crying, why are you crying? What's wrong with you? Fix your face. Like, mm-hmm. but there's, there's no there's no conversation. There's mm-hmm. discipline without relationship. You know what I mean? It makes mm-hmm. it hard. And so, you know, growing up feeling stifled and just unsure. And then my, my parents divorced when I was young, and that broke me. Hmm. And it, it broke our family. I went from being an honor roll student to, like, failing and not caring at all. Um, then after that, getting molested as a child, which is still hard to talk about. I, I haven't told very many people, but that broke me. And then just thinking about just feeling very lonely in a, in a lonely place. And it, it wasn't until I became an adult and I got saved where I was in a lot of just conversations with other people who were broken, too, had been through their own brokenness and came out on the other side by God's grace and were encouraging me, like, man, talk to somebody about this. So I was in counseling for about three years off and on, and I recently got back into to counseling. And um I go on Mondays during my lunch break and it's so helpful. Like sometimes, uh, she always, uh, affirms, uh, me like in, in God. And that's always so helpful. And then we tackle and talk through strategy. Cause, you know, the mind is a battlefield. And for me, it always starts in my mind. Someone said like, uh, this week, they threw me a huge curveball. You know, I'm on the heels of releasing my first debut album, and it might not mean a lot to many people, but it means so much to me because I'm like, for the first time in my life in my 30s, I have something that I love, that I want to do, and I don't want anything to stop me because I've never done anything for myself that I love Mm -hmm. and enjoy. And that's why this album and my music is so special to me. And I had Satan throw a curveball. Someone said so many unkind words to me, and it disrupted my spirit. Like, I felt awful, and I was, and then I had to question are those things true? Like I have to start filtering through that stuff. No, and then I had to say no, these are lies. This is not what God says about me. Those are lies from the enemy. Like I can't believe that. I can't let that you know, in my whole day. So through counseling and just through a lot of prayer and learning to, as an adult, like season those thoughts when they come to say nope. I'm not. I'm not gonna think that. I got to cast that down and give it to God. Like, I can't because I don't want to succumb to that, that that darkness that depression is. And so it's like, all right, I have to fight it. And it's not passive. It's, it's, a, it's action steps. It's like, what strategies do I have? So now at work, I have affirmations and scripture on my wall that I can see every day. I need to see it every day, interact with it in some way. I need to be reading scripture. I need to be, like, absorbing truth to combat against the lie. So that is a, um, a defense mechanism and a strong strategy that I've developed to kind of ward away those negative thoughts that I know I'm prone to. And as an artist, I'm, I'm very emotional, <laughs> very mm-hmm. sensitive, Mm-hmm. Ladies, I don't know if y'all don't, especially during that time of the month, I will cry at the drop mm-hmm. of a hat. I will boo hoo cry. I could watch a Disney movie and cry I'd be like, why am I crying? What's wrong? Mm-hmm. But it's just, you know, having those emotions and those feelings and then allowing myself to cry. Because for a long time, I didn't. Like I said, I come from a culture where you just soldier on, you just get through it. Mm-hmm. But I can't do that. Like, and now there are some days where I just I come into my counselor's office and I just sit down and I cry. Because I know I need to. And I know it's not me being weak. It's me being human and allow myself to feel those emotions. You know, allow myself mm-hmm. to feel. One of my favorite songs, is it's from a secular artist. I love her. She's by far one of my favorite songwriters ever. She's a, a Canadian artist named Feist. And she has this song, and it's called I Feel It All. And I yeah. love it. Because I'm like... I never allow myself to feel it all because I've been like conditioned to just soldier through it. But I need to allow myself to feel like, it's like, that hurt me, and I need to deal with that hurt and why it hurts me. So when it happens again, because it may not happen from the same person in the same way, but it's going to happen again. I'm going to be hurt and disappointed with situations in life. I know how to deal with it so it doesn't overtake me. So that's mm-hmm. the place I am now in my life. Sorry, I was going on about this, but
0: no, um, no, 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 this is the kind of thing that. People, we, I I can only, like, you know, I want to speak from a global standpoint, but at the end of the day, I can only speak for my experience, and I grew up in a situation where you just didn't talk about how you felt, so I never really knew it was okay to feel anything. And when you are a survivor of molestation, you really get jacked up mm-hmm. and you learn to pack down everything everything is a pack down you know, and so there were people who i were I was friends with for years, decades who never knew what my home life was, who never knew um That, um, what I was suffering or what I was going through at home because I had learned very early in life that you hide those things. And you can only do that so long before you crumble.
1: Yeah. And, um,
0: you will explode, but the, actually, to be even a little bit more specific, you will implode. Yeah. Or, as in, as you, And then when you implode, you explode. And so I went through a period of time, it was about 2012 to about 2014, where a a feather could not pass by me and I didn't go off. Mm. I went from being so passive to letting anybody and everything, anybody do anything to, what are you looking at? You lying to me? You know, because I felt like, I think, you know, in hindsight, it was – Nobody has ever taken care of me, so I have to do it now. And which is crazy because at the end of the day, you could all I would always say, "Well, I knew God had my back," but I had learned it was fallible. That I learned was that He ha- He can have it, He has the ability to, but do you believe that He does? And that's that. That um, exactly. You know, it's that faith, that like, I believe God can do anything. I just don't know if he'll do it for me. Hmm. And, or, you know, that's where I was. And so when you said that, uh, that I think the singer's name was twice and I feel it all, it took me back to Secret Life of Bees and the, the, the sister who felt everything. You know, and she would feel people's hurt, and I begin to also understand that as an intercessor, there are times I walk in the room, and I begin to feel things that I know I didn't bring in the room. And so I had to begin to discern, oh, this is not my hurt I'm feeling, you know, and learning how to pray and then move on. Because I think in the past, I was taking on – not only was I feeling everything, I was taking on everybody else's feelings, you know. Um, Oh, well, this person's hurt. I can just imagine how they feel this and the other. And if you're continuously taking down everybody else's feelings, your feelings get pushed away. Because it's always about someone else. So I've learned that I matter too. So I learned this word, and I know a lot of people, a lot of listeners have never heard this word or they've never said it before. I learned this word, and when I got this word, it gave me power. And it's called no I never thought that I had the right to say no. Man, tell it. <laughs> That's so true. So true. <laughs> you know, they would say, oh, can you come sing at a funeral? Yeah, uh, oh, we need you to come to the church and do this. Oh, we need you to go do this. Oh, okay, I, um, okay, you say you want me to write a play. Um, okay, let me do that so I stay up online, go work, do it, direct it. You know, I, I would never say no. And in the midst of that, becoming the person that everybody could rely on, I couldn't rely on myself to to take care of me. And I began to get mad mad at God because I felt like he should stop them. But he also said, I have given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. We begin to think that that means, oh, he's given this. No, he gives you the power of saying, no, I don't want to do it. Well, why? Because I don't want to. I didn't know that I was gifted with the power of no. Now I'm not talking about to the point where it becomes narcissistic, where it, if it doesn't help me or benefit me, I'm not doing anything. But to the point where I was so diminished that I could not even think straight. I didn't know what I wanted. And then I got a hold of this word, this other, this uh, wonderful scripture. It said, whatsoever is lovely, kind and pure of good, rep- if there be anything good, think on that. Mm-hmm. To looking
1: for a that's that's one of my like affirmation uh, scriptures. You know that you know that uh, the that common expression is like tell the truth, shame the devil. <laughs> and we <laughs> we say it, but it's but it's true. When you mm-hmm. start, man, speaking mm-hmm. truth over your life and reinforcing that truth by living it out. Like not only am I going to believe this, but I'm going to apply it. And mm-hmm. that, I think for us, that's how we start the process the heal, healing. Um, that power. No, you're you're so right about that. I think I I just started actually when my aunt started having that conversation with me. It took me a little bit longer to get there, but that's when I realized the power of no too. So I'm, I 100% agree with you on that.
0: And we have to, you know, just not just for us, and not biologically, but we have to do this for our sons and our daughters, because I, I'm a I um. I am a mother of boys. I had a little girl, but she passed away. But so I have boys or men. They're men now. But I needed to be able to say no. I needed them to be, see me to be able to say no so that they understand that you have to take care of yourself. I cannot take care of you if I don't take care of me. Me sacrificing me means that I am not going to be there when it counts to take care of you. And I wanted to gift that to them because I see that we have a lot of young people who don't know what the limits and the balance is or the balances are. They don't understand mm-hmm. how to walk in authority. You know, when I, we do a, uh, we do a vision board every year on New Year's Eve, my family. And, I could not think about, I was like, God, what do you want me to do for the season of 2020? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? It took me about two months before I could fill out my little vision board. And God said, I just want you to balance. I just want you to balance. You can't be all me all the time. You can't be all you all the time. You got to be able to do all this. I just want you to learn how to balance. And in that balance, I found there is peace. Because if you're constantly, constantly doing stuff and you're never taking care of you by that beautiful word, no, then how effective are you being? And not only how effective, you know, we honor things that are rare. We are presenting a, 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 a lifestyle that is it, it is rare. It is rare. And, and and being able to be um, completely um, transparent is rare. You and I did not grow up in in a church that people told the kind of things that we have shared even today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now we're seeing the fruit of that because we didn't know Mama went crazy, too. We didn't know Mama had hormonal problems. We didn't know that people needed counseling. Since we didn't know that – We had to fight through it. But now I believe because of this transparency and the season we're in that we can make it better for those coming up to be able to say, I'm not okay. You know, uh, the other day, and we're going to go to a commercial break here in a minute, but the other day I said, you know what, I'm going to stay in this here bed. And um, I really don't care how y'all eat, (laughs) if y'all eat. I'm gonna (laughs) say that because I was tired in my spirit. Now this is a person who really I only sleep about three hours a day and that's fine for me. But Mm -hmm. I said on on this day I'm gonna sleep by eight, I'm not moving. And I only got up to use the bathroom to get back in the bed. I could have never done that twenty years ago. The guilt and the shame of saying that I needed a break would have broken me in itself. So I thank God for our our learning, and and that we're always perfecting and being perfected, my friends. This has been so good. Of course, I forgot to take a couple of breaks for, for fine. We kind of got <laughs> we're in. having a good conversation. though. I and mean, then this is good. We have to be able to to be to be out here and to be open. I don't know how to do it any other way. Now I probably tell too much, but at the end of the day, if it's gonna help somebody, that's what it's for. That's what it's about. We overcome by the word of our testimony. So, my friends, we're going to take a little break. I'm going to allow my friends to get some water. We both need it. And we're going to come back. Actually, while we're taking a break, you guys are going to get a chance to listen to her single, Midnight Blues. And then we're going to come back and we're going to finish out with She Always Lives Through It, because we kind of loved through it just a minute ago. But we're going to... Get to our last segment with She Always Lives Her Relief. Be back in just a second.
3: Why are you cast down, oh my soul?
2: And why are you in turmoil within me? Everyone would sleep to find my life Try to count my sheep and say goodnight But I can't get my mind right On whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is true I can't seem to think on
3: these things I've been such a Debbie down that house Cause I'm not ready power, drain from my outlet tool a router Router. to make a groove a smooth joint because i'm sour crying over this spilled ink my pen is floundered at midnight, can't sleep tight My knees fight to pray Sights on me, lights on me, heights I see earthly pedestals Kisses, hugs, and pedals, rolls. Thrown, I catch the fill of those Longest to be on My golden child syndrome Sitting on my big throne My daddy daycare Let tonight neglect He been gone I feel at home On this stage, I put Christ away When I contemplated My contemplated Serving up CEOs That wanna label me And lace me in that brand I'm pacing with demands But I can't Cause I am in the middle of of a dry season, feel like my words leaving Lord, let your rain pour my
2: I, I woke up at midnight While everyone was asleep to find my life Trying to count my sheep and say goodnight But I can't get my mind right On whatever is pure Whatever is lovely Whatever is true I can't seem to think on these things Trying to break
3: out something like act Bumping blazing beats without lyrics It tried to trap me Writers block built to glass prison My words are tapping on the outside But my vision is handicapped Need to move around these bars Trap these artists letting loose my lips So I can trap these verses Call up the pallbearers, bearers Bring out the hearses Very negative Nancy and her curses Relatives can't see that a verbiage is akin to me Get a preacher for her service Grab the tambourines Drown out Nancy Debbie down And let the choir sing Blast the speakers, I'm rehearsing for her eulogy But my revival, it is vital that this organ gets turned up to play Let it draw bars from my heart scars, cause on today The author and finisher of my faith Gave me the words I was missing on my page I, I-,
2: I woke up at midnight While everyone was sleep to find my life Trying to count my sheep and say goodnight But I can't get my mind right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is true i can't seem to think on these things
0: we're back um we have we had actually a really good conversation i'm going to try to pull out pieces of it while you guys were gone but uh <laughs> it you know the good stuff happens when you guys are not around um but now we're, we're at our, our part where we talk about she always uh what are we doing we did love we did love we did learn she always lived through it. it
1: there it is <laughs> that's,
0: that's where we are <laughs> so she is gonna tell us where she's living, what she's doing, how we can connect with her, how we can support what she's doing, because we do want to support. So, all right, take it. Tell us everything you need us to know.
1: Yeah, so I'm um I'm at a point in my life where I'm in a state of kind of cleaning house and allowing God to do that in me, with me and through me. Um like you said, we, we know that God is the ultimate healer. He desires to um sit with us in our suffering and our pain and the things that we go through and but it's like do we trust that he that he can do it. Like when we bring to him the pain and the wounds and the hurts and the genuine things that are there, then we trust him to do it. Um, you know? And so I've been in a state of just kind of uh dealing with all the junk, the spiritual junk and soul clutter uh times of just reflection and, and healing and my music is very much a part of that like I always see myself as like kind of restorative like I'm always asking myself how can we fix it like how can I fix it if if I can fix anything at all and so um my music I, I deem it very very restorative because it's always me analyzing the world around me and how like either I I don't fit in and I know I don't fit in or I'm trying to fit in I'm like why am I trying to fit in and so um, While You Were Sleeping is my debut album. I always tell people it's one of the bravest things I've ever done because I would never, ever in a million years put myself out there or want to do that. But it's it's um, a very transparent, like, open and honest place for me. I, I plan on, as I continue to make music, to be even more transparent. There are lots of things that I, I haven't really delved into um, in my life that is, that have happened to me that I want to share with other people. And I've been able, I've been blessed to perform for a lot of youth uh events and camps and speak and just sit with them and hear their stories. And it's always heartbreaking to hear how young people are dealing with so much um, verbal, physical abuse and not really having people there to walk them through that. And so, um, not saying my music is like the, the the remedy, but I do hope that it can Assist people as they're reflecting and going through their own spiritual spiritual journeys of just you know clearing clearing things out of their life that that aren't like healthy or helpful for them, so while you're sleeping is that is that project that's my awakening um to kind of dig deep and and pull out things I didn't know were there, or to not be so coy about my talent and gifts, but present it in the in the best way that I know how, and I really hope it can help people like on their journey. Their artistic journeys, because I know there's so many people that are gifted and talented, but you're holding yourself back because of fear or lies that you were told. And so this is that project, like, man, while you were sleeping, here's what I've been working on. Just kind of debunking the myths and the lies and allowing God's truth to just sing over me. And this, this, uh, debut album is a, is very much a product of that. And it's a 14 track album uh two poems on it so uh, I have a poem called The V that I think a lot of people will be shocked by and uh, another piece called The Story of West Inglewood which is the, the neighborhood I grew up in in Chicago that I wanted to kind of uh, paint a story through a poem in a poetic way about where I grew up Though so it has like a lot of negative uh, reports about it like in the media because it is you know one of the poorest communities in the city and one of the most violent, like there's a lot of good happening, you know, there are still flowers that bloom and green grass that grows and trees that grow Like God's hand is still upon that community. And I just
0: wanted to highlight
1: that in a way, in a storyteller way, like, man, if I wanted to tell a story to my children about where I grew up, what would it sound like? So mm-hmm. this is that uh, story. And I'm working on an accompanying uh, visual piece to that that's going to be a sort of lyric video, because I'm like, man, I want, like, black children who grew up where I grew up to be proud of where they come from. Because, yeah, even though it's it's considered one of the baddest neighborhoods in the city, it's still a part of a beautiful city called Chicago. Like, it makes up Chicago, so it can't be ignored or disregarded. So that's my purpose, like, for that song, and, um, I mean, for that poem. So I'm excited. The album comes out this Friday, March twenty seventh. It's been a journey to get here both personal and just artistically. People deserted me, people let me down, people didn't keep their word, but I kept pushing through it with God's hope and my support system. And um I'm super grateful. Thank you for inviting me on your platform to even speak. Like I just I'm just uh honored and and humble that you even asked me to, to share my story. I don't take it lightly at all. And I'm, I'm praying that all the things we talked about will help someone and that this podcast would be helpful to someone. So um, while you were sleeping, it's abbreviated WYWS. That's the acronym. You will be able to find it on all streaming outlets, iTunes, Spotify. Um, I have a website, www.ashamarie.com and Aisha spelled A-A-S-H-A, Marie M-A-R-I-E. Um, super active on my Facebook and uh, Instagram. You guys can find me there. But I, I really pray that this project will be something you can enjoy. That you'll find your songs to to rock to, to dance to, to kind of reflect to, um, and just do some soul digging like like I have. And so I'm excited
0: uh, for this for this album. Well, I am so excited for you, and I um, I I feel privileged to get a chance to spend some time with these wonderful people, these wonderful artists, you know, there are times where you can be out doing stuff, and I know you've experienced this as well. And sometimes it feels like you're the only one. And this is a platform to let us know we're not the only ones out there. You know, there's a collective of us that are still pressing in, that are still sharing the good news, that are still um, being individuals and being unique and understanding that it is our purpose to be us you know I mm-hmm. when I first stepped into my faith uh, I got say, very early in life I was like five years old somewhere in there but I spent that whole time with people trying to create me into many versions of themselves okay. but I think the freedom came when I found out my purpose was to be me and you because God created you And if I can do anything to encourage you, none of it is going to be lost. He's going to use it all. Even those hidden dark places that don't you know, that you're not comfortable necessarily sharing right. He's going to use it all for his glory. Yes. And it it is by you releasing those things that you will find yourself walking into higher levels. Of freedom mm-hmm. and as you get free those people that listen to your music they're gonna find freedom themselves and I decree and I declare over you today my sister and I don't often do this but I decree and I declare over you today that no words that have been spoken over you shall come to pass that only the things that God has called you to that he purposed and created you for is going to navigate the footsteps and the pathways that he has already designed for you. We come against every bloodline curse that would try to hinder you. We come against depression. We bind it up in the name of Jesus and we command it to flee. We ask God to come in and wrap his arms around you, to give you that warmth, to give you that that direction, to give you that encouragement that you need to hear and to press and to find those innovative things, to dig deep into yourself, that you be, you can become the purest, the purest form of what he created you for. You're not misstepping. This is not something that you came upon on yourself. God created you to do this. This is your platform. And when you step into your platform, no matter what it looks like, he is going to bless you. He's going to bless the work of your hands. He's going to bless every step. Keep him first, which I know that you will. But just know that you are you are called to this, and don't ever let the enemy tell you anything different.
1: Yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. This has been a great conversation. I really enjoyed this. It's always awkward, like I said, being on this side because I'm so used to interviewing. But I know God will God will use it. Um, He's going to use it in spite of me. <laughs> Y'all
0: well, I, uh, you were beautiful. You were absolutely <laughs> happy. Thank you. You know, you, um, you encouraged me. Um, hopefully, there were some things that encouraged you as well. But, you oh, for know. sure. I always when, love
1: hearing people's stories because, like you say, you see that, that you aren't alone and there are other people going yeah. through things and, and still, you know, still learning, still growing. So, that's amazing to me.
0: Yeah, you know, because when you peel back those layers of that onion, I think that's when it gets hard to share. That You know, when uh, we were talking about mm-hmm. the blog that I shared with you, um, and I felt, when I tell you, I felt the anointing on that. And I tried to fight it. I put that phone down. I picked it back up, and I put it down, and I was like, I can't. Do, yeah, you can, you know. But I felt the anointing. I felt, honestly, I felt something break. It was like, now you get it. Mm-hmm. You know, because when somebody um, hits you, I'm sure you're aware of this, or you, you get hit or something, all the blood rushes to that area mm-hmm. because it's rushing to that place to to offer healing. And so, mm-hmm. God wanted that place to be healed, so He needed me. He He had to hit me in that area so all the blood could rush there for that healing. And so, some of our most, uh, I think, some of the most dramatic and some of the most poignant. Uh, pieces of our art that we will ever do is going to come out of that blood rushing to that place so that we can walk in complete healing. I thank you so much for You're coming awesome. and God. and sharing your life. And tell your husband, I thank you for sharing your wife. <laughs> and uh-huh. we're looking forward to the release that is going to happen Friday, March 27th. You guys go out and support my new friends. Um, and if there's thank anything you. ever that I can do, Every time you have an album, you let me know. We can continue to do this. But I, I do want to support you. If you're ever in the area of Texas, let me know. Your girl will be in the place. And if I need to travel, can't travel during a quarantine. But <laughs> I want to support you in everything that you do because I believe Thank you. I do. All right, my friends. So there's going to be information about Asha Marie on my uh, my blog on blog, you know you'll be able to hear this on all the platforms you know where to find me some of you guys find me on spotify some on apple Podcasts, and all the other areas google uh google podcast we're out there for everything you my friends don't forget to also turn tune in to my radio show um a and don't forget to do to, to listen to the other podcasts. i think we have one up about corona And then we did just offer up a new blog, so go back and read that. That one was called, oh, The Little Things. It was something God gave me yesterday. It blew my mind. It just let him, he was letting me know he still hears me and he's still talking to me. So, um, my friend, we have uh, reached the end, but I thank you so much, guys. We're going to go out with another one of her songs I'm actually going to play my favorite song. Go ahead. Thank <laughs> she you. didn't send it to me, <laughs> but I'm going to see if I can get her to send it to me. So, Lollipop, uh, you know, i became become a fan. So and I was playing Lollipop, so we're going to go out on Lollipop, go out on a high note. I love you. Keep in touch with me, and I will well, uh, continue to follow you, my dear.
1: Thank you. We'll talk soon. God bless.
0: God bless. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.
3: the image of a just and a pure god with a huge rod punishing iniquity and wicked feats with the sheer blood and the way of peace they have not known tic-tac-toe playing games with lies click-clack fold toe tags in the morgue that collapse on the floor when they knock at the door say there's no more so I'm using the gospel as most cold give a glimpse into light to revive souls awakening dead in my favorite season in prices, the weather when you need them because your homies going back south with babies in the streets with their backs
2: Homes won't go through the hair of all these drones
3: Helllock copycats of Chief Keef all hail the brand new leaders of street beef Uh, they famous for aiming at targets and games want more, more slains the highest we've seen before Praying not next to raise my
2: soul Oh Lord
3: The need to worship the eternally gracious seed to crush the head of the serpent seeds perfectly. Chicago, Chicago, pastors and church folks, we all know. Black children in the hood, your dash hopes. Satan waiting to bait is the cash flow and collection plates. Congregation hollering, waving, praise the music blazing. While the pastor preach when your neighbors get danger for the behavior without the savior? You should mourn and weep for the lost one. To be ashamed that you won't grab none. To busy contributing to the building fund. Pray by the violence, but go do some. But will you pass by them like a new sun. So get up and get out and make. Eight new sons and daughters give Christ to the purpose to slaughter. Go make war, they famous for officiating the sermons and funerals. Not well versed in the gospel, hermeneutical to tell juvenile the soul was renewed. I hear the eulogy,
2: where you and they were breathing bodies in the streets, not know what they were reaping. Truth was set them free, so why I ain't not speaking, so